0: Hello and welcome back to The Midpoint. Sports fan or not, if you've lived in Britain for some time, chances are you'll recognise today's guest. Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill is an athlete who's transcended her sport, not least because she played a pivotal role in one of Britain's biggest sporting moments, known simply as Super Saturday. It's certainly a night I will never forget. In fact, that whole Olympic Games is a career highlight of mine. And Jess, that night, I think, for me, personified everything that was brilliant about those Games. In fact, somebody said to me recently, If you could live in the shoes of one person for one day, who would it be? And I said, Jess in 2012 when she crossed the line in the 800 metres. I've never told her that. That was, of course, the culmination of years of hard work for her. She walked away with the gold medal in the heptathlon, which, of course, means being world-class in not one but seven events, many times, not just Olympic Games, but world champions. And then, perhaps more impressively still, was her silver medal that she won in Rio in 2016, just 15 months after having her first child, Reggie. Now seven years into retirement, Jess and her childhood sweetheart, now husband, Andy, are raising two children, Reggie and his sister Liv, and as well as developing her own fitness app called Genis, she regularly sits alongside me as we do the track and field together for the BBC. As she is brilliant to work with, professional, funny, and complete team player, as you probably imagine. Well, this week we're also joined by Dr. Louise Newson, who is a GP and menopause specialist, and she's so passionate about improving education around the menopause and perimenopause that she founded a clinic which ploughs some of its profits back. Into menopause research and free resources. There's so much to explore in this episode. I think you're going to like it. Let's get straight to it. Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill, it is so brilliant to have you on The Midpoint and we are going to declare straight away because you said I will come on, <laughs> but you have to make sure everybody knows I am not in The Midpoint. <laughs> so just for absolute yes, yes. clarity and transparency, your age, Jess? <laughs>
1: I am 37 years old. I am clinging on to (laughs) those 30s.
0: (laughs) Uh, And I know uh, a lot of people will go, well, she's so young. Why have you got... But the reason is, and it's the same reason we had James Haskell on a couple of weeks ago, I think sports people have a kind of midlife experience because it's almost when you change and you transition from sport into the real world, it's a little bit like what people sometimes go through in their late forties when they're starting to kind of um, shift their family paradigm and all the stuff that goes on. So you are clearly somebody who's still very youthful, incredibly fit and have small children, you know, which actually some midpointers do. But let's go back to that that time or when it kind of first dawned on you that you know being a super athlete and Olympic gold medalist wouldn't be forever? Yeah
1: I I suppose I I never really allowed myself to think too much about what would come after athletics so I think when you're very much in the middle of your career you're so focused on the next goal and you know ticking off your list of achievements and focused on the moment so I never really allowed myself to think oh actually what what will happen when athletics stops and when I'm not training every day and my whole life doesn't evolve around this one thing Um, because I wanted to make the most of, of the time when I was in it and making sure that I was really, really focused. So yeah, it was a, it's quite a strange feeling actually to, to firstly kind of announce that that was, you know, the end of, what was a huge chapter of my life you know everything had evolved around training eating right sleeping right it was all focused on these big championships and then you know that moment when I I said that was it (laughs) you know I was going to retire that all stopped and it was um yeah quite a strange feeling it felt like the right feeling at the time but then as as the kind of days and weeks went by it was just that realization of okay this this chapter is definitely finished
0: so you never had any kind of plan B?
1: I think I was so absorbed in sport and in athletics that I I, I honestly didn't think, you know, what was going to be my career post-athletics. And it seemed so far away, you know, the team around me would joke, you know, when you're in your 30s and you've got kids and you're retiring and you're going to that next phase of life, what, what will you do? And I just never it seemed so far away and i just never wanted to take kind of my eye off the ball of, of what i was doing at that time so i was just so consumed in you know performing daily sessions how how was i going to get better how was i going to make the next championship and how was i going to like maintain that kind of status that i'd created for myself after you know winning some global medals so did
0: you have a, any kind of period of grieving or were you so relieved to finish that it was all about celebration
1: I honestly, I I don't think I had one moment where I felt that feeling of, you know, what have I done? Have I made the right decision? Or, gosh, that kind of sad feeling of that part of my life is over. I think I felt really, just really ready to retire and really relieved. And, you know, it's such a huge commitment for all those years. And it's almost like you're just constantly kind of holding your breath like through it you know you 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 achieve one thing and that's great you have a kind of outburst of relief and you can celebrate for it feels like five seconds and then it's on to the next thing and it's on to the next thing and it's this constant conveyor belt of having to you know achieve and perform and and not let yourself down in a way that actually when I decided to retire I knew that you know that was the perfect time for me and yeah, I wasn't going to look back and think, "Gosh, I wish I'd done another Olympics," or "I wish I'd changed something slightly." I actually moved away from the sport, feeling very, very content, and I think that's a really unique mm. place to be in. And I, yeah, I felt really, really yeah, happy very, to move away. Very in that, few sports in that people
0: have that feeling, don't they? they? There's always a little niggle, something, a bit of regret about something that that they could have done differently, or you know. And and I wonder also if having Reggie helped you with that because you'd already started one of your most important roles ever in life
1: yeah and I think that was it you know he was a massive part of that kind of motivation that I had for those final couple of years of competing and also he became my you know my whole world my focus with everything so as I say that I didn't have this kind of career or next step of a career that I wanted to go into I knew that you know motherhood and my role with being a mum to Reggie was going to take up a huge like chunk of, of everything that we did. So yeah, that kind of made that transition much easier because it allowed me time and breathing space to focus on, on being with him and making sure that he had everything that he needed. And I was the best, you know, mum for him.
0: A lot of female athletes, and there's a lot of talk about this now across a range of sports actually, and rugby has just, uh, the RFU have just announced um, a big maternity package for their players, you know, to encourage them to have a career alongside being a mum, because in the past, you were you were really unusual. I think Joe Pavey had won a medal the year before as a mum uh, before you won in um, the Beijing World Championship. Yeah, twenty fifteen, and um, yeah, and she won in in Zurich the year before, and it was it got so much attention because we realised that actually not many women were having babies and then going back after that. The landscape does seem to be changing doesn't it yeah it, Which it is definitely a does yeah
1: huge positive and you know you're so right I, I read so many articles now and I see so many athletes like Helen Glover for example you know she's got mm,
0: three yeah. young kids and she's I know. and then some with Helen Glover <laughs> isn't it I know.
1: and coming back to doing another <laughs> Olympic cycle it's incredible but I think yeah I see it so so often now that there are not just athletes from one particular sport there's a range of different sports where female athletes are actually saying do you know what I can go away and start my family and come back and and continue performing and training and I think it's so inspiring to see so many more athletes doing that and feeling that they have the support to do that as well and navigating it in their own way I'm sure every athlete whatever sport you have to You have to navigate it slightly differently because every child's different, every birth's different um, and your sport is, is totally different from everyone else's as well. So the one thing I felt when I came back was that actually I was a motivated athlete before and I wanted to achieve and be the best I could be. But my level of motivation and drive after having Reggie just went to a whole new level because everything that I was doing was for him
0: and I think all mums will recognize that because it does give you this fire in your belly you know kind of if I'm going to do something it's got to be worth it so so that and that is really I think really important in sport that women see that but also in wider society I think you know sport for me always offers the rest of the world I you know ideas about what you can achieve and what you can do and I think for for all women it's really inspiring to see a a mum like you you know competing on that on that global stage
1: and i think that's why it kind of blows my mind sometimes when there is this gray area whether it's in sport or other careers actually you know some women feel that they aren't supported to to be able to come back to their career and that you know, it's just so wrong because you are a motivated woman anyway, but actually you're coming back, you know, tenfold and you want to, yeah, like you say, make sure that everything that you do is pure quality and that it's worth the sacrifice of not being with your child as much as, you know, you would plan to.
0: Perhaps the best person to ask this question would be your lovely husband, Andy, but um, how easy did you find not even dropping off the standards, but when you're an athlete like you were winning gold medals on a global stage, your level of, you know, what you're achieving and the standards you expect are so high. When you enter normal life, in (laughs) inverted commas, um, if you carried on with those standards on everything, it would be quite hard to, to, (laughs) to, to live, you know, around and to have that in your own mindset. Did you feel yourself kind of dropping off slightly thinking, right, I've got to Got to look at the world slightly differently <laughs> here, and how am I going to do that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely think um, Andy probably found it a bit challenging at times because you do live in this constant world where you are striving to perfection all the time, and you're trying to be the best, and everything's got to be just where it needs to be. And actually, in everyday life, that is not achievable. And also, having children, that is not achievable. And I think having kids definitely taught me that, you know, you can't be in control of everything. Things are going to happen. Things are going to be unpredictable. They're going to get poorly at certain times, and you can't control all these elements. And life isn't going to be perfect. I think, yeah, for for us as a family, and for me, definitely, you know, having the kids has definitely taught me that. Yeah, just got to relax a little bit and not be well, so because, because on when all you time. do
0: the heptathlon and you do seven events to such a high level. Your schedule must be you and the decathletes. That it must be more time-consuming and more difficult than any other, you know, athletic discipline. Because because of that, your time management and your organisational skills, are like, they're up there, aren't they? They're like you know, you could be running any any company CEO of anything with those kinds of time management skills.
1: And I think that's something that I've definitely massively taken from the world of sport. Is actually. Yeah, being able to spend all those years and learn how to manage your time really efficiently. And like you say, the heptathlon, you have to be able to juggle everything and you can't dedicate too much time to one area and let one other event kind of fall by the wayside. You have to be on it constantly. And I definitely feel that those qualities that I learned as an athlete growing up for all those years of doing the heptathlon is definitely given me these traits that I've been able to use at home, but also going into that kind of next phase of my life as well.
0: Which you found, you know, in, in, in some, I mean, obviously you do your telework, lucky enough to work with you on that and you've done uh, other things, but in terms of your app, the Genis app, this seems to be something that you are really, when I've talked to you about it, I can see the passion that you have for this. And it is actually very linked to what we talk about a lot on this podcast because it's to do with women's cycles. So um, explain what the Genis app is.
1: Yeah, so I, I'll i just give you a bit of background of how it kind of came about. So after having Reggie, I'd kind of gone through this whole journey of trying to understand my body and how it had changed hormonally after after giving birth and going back to training. And then I had my second child live um, once I'd retired. And it it made me realize that actually, you know, as athletes, you try and get all these marginal gains and you're, you know, you're so focused on the psychology, the nutrition of everything. And actually the hormonal side of what our bodies go through as women is not looked at the way it should be. You know, there's so many changes and fluctuations that happen to us, you know, through the month, but also actually through these major life phases that we go through. Um, so I wanted to create a platform whereby women had more kind of education and understanding to know well what's my body doing at these different phases of my cycle what are the four phases of of your menstrual cycle and actually how can I train more efficiently how can I feel better um so that I'm not following these kind of you know faddy ways of exercising and feeling that I have to go on these you know crash six week diets and you know Mm -hmm. reducing carbs and all these dramatic things that we often feel we have to do as women actually if we we're more in tune with our body and understand you know how our hormones are having a play with the way we feel and the way we move then that's such a powerful tool to have as a woman and um, going through these phases that we transition through so that's how the kind of app was created
0: well, did you know as an athlete at all um because it, i met a trainer a few years ago it's the first time anybody had ever said to me i was doing some pull-ups and he said uh, you'll tell me if I got this wrong. He said, "Are you due on your period next week, or something like that?" Mm. And I said, "Yes." Is that the strength phase? Is that when you're strongest? So your follicular right? phase
1: before? is is the phase just after where you're yeah you're at your your strongest.
0: Okay, so it might have been just after because he was right anyway. Yeah. He was bang on yeah. wherever he predicted, and he was the first trainer who'd ever even mentioned that to me. And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" And he said, "Well, your strength increases at this time, and yeah. you know." And we got talking about it. Uh, this is about five years ago when you were training. Did you have? that knowledge did you know your cycle was affecting no
1: no absolutely not and I think that was the the thing that kind of stood out to me the most is actually when I look back at my career and like I said we were so focused on psychology and sleep and nutrition all these really important elements but actually the whole hormonal side which was a constant you know for, for every woman is happening whether you like it or not was never really looked at in any great great depth and I think I look back and think part of that was probably because I was in a very like male dominated environment and I felt uncomfortable having those conversations with a male coach and a male kind of team but also there's just the lack of energy and funds and time being given to research actually how are we affected by these fluctuations and changes in hormones throughout the month and It's it's so under-researched, but we as women know, you know, you can stop any woman in the street and she'll be able to say, I feel different at this time of the month or I have these range of symptoms. But actually, we just feel that we have to just kind of get on with it. And it's just what we feel monthly. But actually, you know, there's a way of understanding our hormones better and, and using them to our advantage.
0: Yeah. And I went through IVF. So I I got to know my body a bit better at that point in my early thirties. And I hadn't even really paid much attention to what was going on at all in terms of my ovaries and periods and everything else. And then I think that, and if you haven't done that, probably the first time that women really start to, if they want to get a bit more of an understanding about hormones is perimenopause and the menopause, because that's when you start having those more in-depth conversations, whether it's with friends or medical professionals. So you're kind of coming at this earlier. Well, Women can use the Genis app at any time, but Mm. this will give women... A good run into that, won't it, if they start using the app earlier? Yeah,
1: and I think that's the most powerful thing, is that actually we often start to learn more about our hormones, like you say, when you're going through fertility, um, that's definitely when I started to understand my hormones when I was pregnant with Reggie, or when you're having an issue or an imbalance like you say, when you're heading into perimenopause and menopause, and actually if we can understand our bodies better before we even get to that point, and we can track our symptoms, and we know how they're changing, and we know how exercise has an input on the way we feel and the way we move then that's a great position to be in when you then transition into that perimenopausal and menopausal phase Um, because I think so many women and I'm not there yet but I I've spoken to so many friends who are just in utter shock when they get there they they were not prepared they don't know the range of symptoms and how severe they can be and they also hadn't understood how they have such a strong knock-on effect on so many areas of your life. Um, And I think for so many women, that's really, really terrifying. And I think the more you can be prepared and understand your body, then it's it's only going to help.
0: Yeah, to have that knowledge is to be armed, isn't it? And um, as you say, just understanding what's going on in terms of training, because I can almost hear people listening to this going, but what does she mean? What should I be doing or how? And obviously they can go and find out on the app, but in, in general terms, how has it affected what you do now? And by the way, Jess still looks like she could win an Olympic gold medal next year in Paris <laughs> if she wish. wanted to. Um, but, you know, you still love training. Yeah. You'll always love training, I'm sure. You you love being fit and healthy. You've got active kids. And so, you, you know, it's part of your life. Yeah. What does using your monitoring on your app do for your training
1: i think for me from a personal level it gives me that ability to just listen to myself so i think for so many years uh, particularly when you're a training athlete you have to you have this program you've just got to go it's it's structure you've got to push 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 constantly i think when i retired i really enjoyed just being able to exercise you know On an ad hoc basis, you know, how I wanted to and how I felt. And it allowed me to really in tune, become in tune with actually how am I feeling, giving myself permission to rest when, you know, I didn't feel like going out and doing a hit session and then putting it alongside what's actually happening internally to my body. So I know that if I'm in my follicular phase, I know I feel better. Like I feel like psychologically, I feel more confident, I feel ready to tackle the day better than I do in other phases. And I know that then I can go and push myself that little bit harder in the garage, in my gym, go out for a longer 5k run, whatever it might be. I know I'm going to get bigger strength gains. And then when I fall into my luteal phase where I'm perhaps not feeling as motivated as normal, I'm not hard on myself. Like, I know you know, I don't have to push myself to go and do a really session. Would you do
0: Pilates or yoga or something different at that time? Yeah. So
1: yoga for me is something that I fall back on a lot. And I love doing just kind of a gentle yoga session during that phase because I get something from it. I'm working my flexibility. I'm feeling that I've worked and I've, you know, got those endorphins going. But I've also done something that's not counterproductive to where I am in my cycle. And I'm coming away Mm -hmm. feeling great. So to be able to understand your body on that level and you very quickly understand how your symptoms change from month to month and yeah it's a really powerful tool to have and I've just yeah enjoyed finding out more.
0: Do you you change your diet as well because of that or have you found yourself you know kind of veering towards certain foods
1: yeah i i particularly found that after having reggie i my periods changed massively and i think that happens to a lot of women you know you're in your early 20s and you perhaps have quite a regular cycle but once you've had kids and you're going into that kind of later phase of your life your cycle suddenly changes and you have all these um like i had a lot of symptoms that i'd never really experienced before so migraines were something that i had just like it almost feels like it was like a week or a week and a half of like really awful headaches and migraines. And I kind of just, you know, write it off to, oh, it's my period and it's just something I'm going to have to deal with. But actually now I know how to exercise during that phase to make me feel better and also the supplements to take. So I increase my magnesium at that time and that really helps. So it's just, it's just that education and that understanding as to know what's actually the best thing for me at that
0: time. But there's no reason why a woman in their 20s couldn't get going on this to understand their bodies. I mean, even thinking about Lois, you know, she's coming up for 18 this summer. That would be such a powerful tool wouldn't it, to, to kind of arm yourself with through your 20s.
1: Yeah, well. and I think just being able to, yeah, to start it from the get-go. Like, my vision is that young girls who are starting their period can come onto the platform and just have all this information to understand, actually, you know, when we talk about our menstrual cycle, it's not just a period and a bleed. There's so much more that's happening around it. And there's so much that's going on with our hormones that have an impact on lots of different areas that if you actually understand it from that age and it's the norm and a conversation you feel comfortable having, then you have that to take through the whole of your menstruating years and then, you know, preparing yourself for the next phase of perimenopause and menopause. So I, yeah, I would love young girls to be able to pick up the Janis app and say this is just the norm i track my my cycle all the time and i use you know the way i exercise to to integrate with it as well that for me would be the future
0: Let's bring in, this seems like the perfect time to bring in Dr. Louise Newson, who is known as uh, the menopause doctor and uh, has written and spoken. She's got her podcast as well, quite extensively on uh, perimenopause and menopause. Mm -hmm. That education, it feels like a no-brainer, doesn't it, for women to have access to, to more information throughout their whole lives.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I know I dedicate my whole life to perimenopause and menopause, but actually I am a physician and I'm interested in hormones in men and women, but throughout all stages. And I think there's a couple of things just before you start asking me questions that I'd like to pick up on. One of the things is that no one is too young to be menopausal or perimenopausal. My youngest patient was 10 when she became menopausal. Her, she had streak ovaries, they never developed, but it took her 15 years to have the right diagnosis because everyone pooed all her symptoms. So there's a lot of women, we know it's probably about three in 100 women under the age of 40 who will have an early menopause. So it means there's a lot of women out there who are in their 20s and 30s who will be perimenopausal. But the other thing is, as Jess was quite rightly saying, is our hormones fluctuate for quite a long time. And, you know, we're just taught at school, you know, periods, bleeding, you know, it used to be the curse, didn't it? It's something awful that happens to us. But actually most of us, unless we have really heavy periods, we can cope with the bleeding, but what we can't cope is the hormonal variation that occurs. And we see a lot of women in the clinic who have PMS and PMDD. That's just an extension of hormones and actually postnatal depression, even baby blues is related to our hormones. So it's really important that we get knowledge, but actually isn't it even more important that we can rebalance some of these hormones? So there's a lot going on obviously about the contraceptive pill, the progesterone only implant is giving people a chemical menopause. It's suppressing their estrogen and testosterone. So one of the things, if I live long enough to make a bigger impact is actually helping younger people. So even my my oldest daughter, she won't mind me saying, is on HRT. She has migraines, so she can't have the contraceptive pill. She gets PMS. So all she does is has some hormones to rebalance. So it stops this fluctuation, which triggers her migraines and also her mood. So therefore this follicular phase you were talking about, she basically has it all the time. So she doesn't have to change her exercise before her periods. She doesn't have to stop, stop life. And, you know, there's a lot of women who have PMS that they just can't work as well for two days a month. And they say it's only two days a month actually 2 times 12 24 that's nearly a month a year where women are underperforming not just in sport but in work and life you know if you've got children we all know how hard it is and then you throw in just that feeling before your your period so it, it, you're right though, no research is done. So we just say, oh, it's just what we expect. We expect to feel bad and have sugar cravings before our periods, but it's all related to our hormones. Why aren't we topping them up? You know, if, if we had a thyroid disorder that was reducing at certain times, we would just give, give a bit more thyroxine.
0: And I guess it's all different levels, isn't it? Some people just understanding and dealing with it the way they want to, whether that's through taking supplements and you know the way they exercise. Other people, as you say, with more extreme uh, symptoms, shouldn't have to live in a way that
2: absolutely. And it's it's that understanding. So I see a lot of women who are perimenopausal, and as you know, really struggle. But then when I talk to them, they say they've had postnatal depression. They've had PMS for years. And then when I treat them, even just with a very low dose of hormones, they come back and say, I wish I'd done this 10 years ago. Absolutely transformational.
0: Is there a link Louise between if you're as a young woman, you have really bad PMS, bad periods, maybe have, you know, some postnatal depression. Is there a link to the way your menopause will manifest?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it's called a sort of reproductive depression. So basically some women as you know don't don't notice any change in their hormones at all. Just, you know, bang through life absolutely fine. Other people, just any small change, it really just throws them out of kilter. Um, And we all just respond differently to hormones, but there are those people definitely who have PMS, PMDD, postnatal depression, and then they have a worse psychological impact in the perimenopause and menopause. And it's usually the perimenopause because it's the change in hormones. So you see all those graphs that we learn in biology of our estrogen and progesterone and up and down at different times. It's probably not so much the levels, it's the change that happens and especially our brains, you know, we have estrogen, progesterone, testosterone receptors everywhere in our brains and our brains like things stable. That's why they don't cope very well if we don't sleep, for example. But if our hormone levels are changing quickly, that's when especially the psychological symptoms can really occur and affect people.
0: So the one of the things I want to talk to you about today with regard to the perimenopause and menopause is testosterone. Whenever um, anybody asks me about um, what, what I take and I say that I use a testosterone gel, they look quite surprised quite often um, and they don't associate testosterone with women. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously because I'm kind of entrenched in this area and read a lot about it, I, I, know, I, I know that that's not the case. Um, but it still seems to surprise a lot of people that women have testosterone. But not everybody needs it topping up in the midlife and and the perimenopausal phase tell us what testosterone does
2: so isn't it interesting 10 years ago i as a doctor didn't know women produce testosterone no one taught me and when it first was mentioned in the nice guidance seven years ago on menopause nice guidance it said we can use testosterone for reduced libido for women who are taking hrt and i was thinking oh Never done that before. Let me go and read about it. And then you read and you realize it's the most biologically active hormone in women. We produce more testosterone than estrogen when we're younger. And it's not really a menopausal hormone. It just declines with age. So there's a lot of women out there who are testosterone deficient, but not estrogen deficient. But yet we have to wait till they're estrogen deficient. And then we have to wait till they're severely distressed with their reduced libido, and then we can give them testosterone. It's just a crazy world for women out there. But we know that we have receptors for testosterone all over our body, every single cell, but especially our brain. So not just the part of our brain that apparently switches on for libido but actually it affects um, parts of our brain for mood for reward so it helps our dopamine pathways it works as a neurotransmitter it helps with um, just energy but also really importantly for this conversation we have receptors for testosterone in our muscles and our joints in our bones so there's a lot of women who find that their exercise performance reduces and it's often due to testosterone deficiency. Some women don't notice a difference, but a lot of women do. And when you look at the studies, they've really been done in women on um, libido. But we know from our clinical experience, it's symptoms such as mood, energy, concentration, stamina can really make a difference. And I have a lot of patients who are athletes and they, their exercise times are reducing, their personal best just slipping without no, any other reason. And then all you do is give them back testosterone. You're just replacing what's missing. No one comes in with beards or hairy, hairy arms. And everything comes back. So you're just replacing what's missing, but it's a very, very important hormone that's been under-researched. And I think about women who were on the pill because that reduces testosterone, women who are on implants or on different contraception, women who have antidepressants, often that can reduce hormonal levels, especially testosterone. So I sometimes play mind games, thinking, what would it be like when every woman who needs testosterone has it replaced? Because the world would look completely different. You
0: mentioned there are different different things that can affect levels throughout your life. If somebody had been on the um, the contraceptive pill for ten years or fifteen years, uh, or a long a long mm. period of time, is it that those levels just drop off and then they can come back very quickly, or does it take you know this amount of time affect the hormones?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So it depends on the ovarian function. So a lot of our um, testosterone is produced by our ovaries, but it's also produced from our adrenal glands and other places in our bodies. When people take the combined oral contraceptive pill, the oral oestrogen increases our sex hormone binding globulin. So it reduces the amount of testosterone that's available in in the body, because when it's bound, you can't use it as well. Um, A lot of people know when they stop taking the pill, their periods come back and everything's fine. Obviously, the longer you take the pill, the older you probably are when you stop it. And it might be that your own hormones don't bounce back. Or you might find that your periods come back because our periods are determined by estrogen and progesterone, but then our testosterone might not as well. So this is where it's so frustrating that we don't really measure levels and we don't because they vary a lot. But actually, the more I look for testosterone deficiency in people, the more I see it. But even when I see women in my clinic who have low mood, reduced concentration, low stamina, is it because of their life? Is it because of their hormones? How do I know? All I know is that I can replace their hormones to physiological levels and then see what's left. But I do notice from seeing thousands of women that they come back and say, wow, this is amazing. My memories come back, my concentration, my stamina, you know, I can just get up in the morning and just little things, you know, it's easy to open, unload the dishwasher. (laughs) I know that sounds small, but, um, you know, when I was perimenopausal, I would look at the washing machine and the dishwasher and just go, I can't be bothered, I can't be bothered. Whereas since taking HRT and testosterone, it's like, okay, just do it, you know, and, how do you do that in a research trial? It's not really very significant, but actually, when you're running a home and you've got three children and you're looking at the kitchen thinking, how am I mm-hmm. going to cope? Actually, so it's, it is uh, really important. It's
0: increasingly becoming more of a conversation. And certainly, I, I imagine from what you're saying as well, there'll be greater usage. In terms of uh, the one other question I really want you to address today, is how long people can stay on bioidentical hormones, different kinds of HRT combinations?
2: Yes, so the HRT we normally prescribe is the regulated bioidentical. So down the microscope, they're exactly the same as the hormones we produce ourselves. As you know, the oestrogen and testosterone are through the skin. So they go straight in through the skin to the bloodstream. So they don't have to be metabolized or digested or anything like you would if you had oral. So there's no risk of clot or stroke. So they're very, very safe. The guidelines say that we just review people every year. If the benefits outweigh the risk, they can continue. Well, for most women, there aren't really risks of HRT. Actually, Um, there are benefits obviously not just to improve symptoms but for our future health. And as you know, osteoporosis, heart disease, dementia very common in women as we age. So for most of us, we could just take it forever. We wouldn't stop taking, you know, thyroxine if we had an underactive thyroid gland. Um, It is just another hormone and it's about choice, you know. I choose to take HRT because I want my brain to function, but I'm really scared about osteoporosis. So I could stop my HRT today. I might not have symptoms. Sometimes people don't when they stop HRT. But as soon as I stop, I've got increased bone turnover and I've got this increased risk of osteoporosis. So as a consenting adult, I'm deciding to carry on it, having an annual review. And that's the same for most people. In the past, they were so worried about the breast cancer risk. They said has to be for a short period of time. But actually, we know the types of HRT we prescribe are very different to the types in the breast cancer study. But even the breast cancer study with the worst type of HRT, that risk is very low. The risk of breast cancer is higher in a woman who doesn't exercise compared to a woman who takes low dose, um, you know, the old style HRT, if you like. So a lot of women who don't take HRT tell me that they don't exercise. So we need to look at the bigger picture, actually. And also look at the, what are the risks of not taking HRT? For the last 20 years, we've been told the risks of taking it, but actually the risk to our well-being, the risk to our future health are really important. And I'm not here saying everybody should take it, but I am here saying everybody should have the information to make a decision that's right for them at the right time. So people can start it at different times and they can stop it or continue it as well.
0: So just to be clear, because it goes you know straight into the blood, does that mean if you stop on Friday, by Monday, you won't have the effects anymore? By Saturday, yeah. So it doesn't build up. You don't go, I've built up now, I've got four years worth
2: it doesn't know and a lot of people think no a lot of people think it builds up no it just lasts the t- time you use it so the gel the t- half-life is, a, is 18 hours I've I've done it over Christmas when you get confused with bank holidays I've forgotten to change my patches and last Christmas I did it and I was thinking oh my knees are really stiff I don't feel like doing yoga I just feel really uncom-, and I'm really irritable as well and I thought it was just because you know Christmas families and whatever and then I realized I hadn't changed my patch and so just one day makes a big difference so no it doesn't build up in your system.
0: Louise, uh, you're you an incredibly busy woman. You've got loads to do, so I'm going to let you go in a second. But just Jess is listening in there, obviously. Is there anything that Louise has said? Just glimpsing into the future there, Jess. Just to be clear, Jess is 37. <laughs> um, is there anything that Louise has said that sparked any kind of questions from you?
1: No, I, I think the the most powerful thing, like you just said, is just to have options and have the education around it and then have the options layered on top is is all you want as a woman to be able to understand your body and then know how you can navigate your way that you know suits you as an individual and i think that's really powerful and i think the ability to be able to understand you know the the benefits of hrt and you know the pros and cons of all these different interventions that we can take is really really important and it's something that yeah i've just learned so much <laughs> over the past few years being able to you know spend time with a, a physiologist and, and speak to to people like yourself louise and understand actually There's a big picture out there. There's so much information that that we should have, um, and it can put us in a really powerful position.
2: You're absolutely right. I think the other thing is the work that you're doing and others are doing is is allowing women to understand that actually there is a reason for them to have symptoms. You know, the amount of people that say to me, oh, it's because I'm just more tired because I've got children, or, you know, maybe I'm not so um, close to my husband or it's my job. But actually, if they know it's their hormones, that's the most important thing to be listened to, because a lot of women are just fobbed off, don't they? It's all in our minds. We've known for decades you know, for many years about, you know, how our womb has been our cauldron. It's been something that we've all, women, you know, women and men have been scared away from. And actually, if we know what's causing it, then that's part of the step of them working out how to sort of get better. But, but knowing that there's a real reason for your symptoms. Yeah. So it's scary, like you say, if you can't exercise as well at certain times of the month. It's, it can be very unnerving so just to have that conversation and that you know, kind really of psychological
1: important. impact that it has as well that mm-hmm. just ability to actually just be kinder to yourself and know that you're not you know failing yeah. Yeah. with what you've set out to achieve is there's actually a reason and mm-hmm. that is that's huge absolutely
0: because if you're going through that period of a few days where you just don't feel like doing it it's amazing how new habits start to form you think well i'm just maybe that's just not me anymore i'm just not an exerciser mm-hmm. anymore or it's very easy isn't it to fall off the habits of things whereas if you think oh well i'm going to feel better in a few days time because I've been tracking my cycle and I know I'm going to be okay and I can go for that run, then you can give yourself a bit of slack. So yeah, the psychological impacts are enormous. Uh, Dr Louise Newson, thank you so much for popping on to the midpoint today. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, it's a fascinating area, Jess, isn't it? It really is, and I love he- hearing you talk about the Genesis app because you can see you've you've got a new passion. Obviously, that you know, um, I'm not saying it will fulfil the uh, what you did in athletics in terms of your passion and your dedication, but it's certainly related, isn't it, to what you did?
1: Yeah, I think that's the nicest thing. It's definitely related to that kind of past life of of sport and and just being in tune with your body. But I think also you know, being a woman, having a young daughter and understanding, you know, what she'll have to navigate herself through in the coming years, it just makes it really real Mm -hmm. again. Um, And to have, I think for me more than anything, to have been able to you know, have established a platform and a voice from my sporting career. I'm now in a position where actually I can speak a little bit louder about these issues and these areas that are really important to so many women and make that conversation really heard and I think that's something that I'm really excited to do.
0: It's interesting you say that actually because I've noticed a real change in you in that confidence actually because um, clearly when you're going out there winning gold medals you're a confident person you know nobody in the world looked more confident than you crossing the line in 2012 at the London Olympics in terms of you know that <laughs> coming together of everything you've done but there's a difference between that and then as you say using your platform and your voice in a, in a, in a way that is authentic and and that strikes me as something that's really important to you as well you, you don't just add yourself onto causes or you know pop your name somewhere if you don't believe in it.
1: No and I think that's been something that I've tried to to keep true to myself throughout my career you know it was always about performing was at the heart of everything that I did as an athlete but working with brands and companies and and different people they all had to align with me and my values and who I am because I think in that way you get the most out of of everything and and particularly you know moving into this next phase of retirement I Although I didn't know what area I wanted to get into, I knew that I wanted to do something that I felt strongly about. Because if you feel strongly and passionate about something, then you can deliver it really well. Um, and this is an area that connects with, like I said, my past life of, of being an athlete, but also my future as well. And my my children's future and something that I'm, yeah, just passionate to, to help more be done in this area it still blows my mind that actually there's such little research and time and investment spent in understanding these massive phases that we go through as women and there needs to be more done and I think yeah I just want to create a platform and a voice and yeah contribute to that but it's
0: not all work 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 obviously you as you mentioned you've got live now as well as Reggie and you're a bit of a tennis mum as well
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've become a tennis mum I don't know
0: how that's happened <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Reggie's pretty good he's, he's enjoying tennis and I'm sure Liv will probably be enjoying tennis soon as well where you, you talk about the tennis it's very
1: she, she's already started uh, honestly um,
0: <laughs> and, and, and obviously you know you're, you're still in your 30s so you've got a lot going on in life and kind of you know looking ahead to the the future you never want to look too too far ahead but obviously the kids they will they will grow up so quickly let me tell you that they'll just be I know and,
1: it makes me so sad and you'll
0: be going oh my god where did that go where did that time go you and Andy have been together a long time haven't you how long have you been together?
1: Yeah, we've actually, we've been married 10 years this year. It's our wedding anniversary in May. So yeah, 10 years
0: Congratulations. of marriage. And when did you actually exciting. start dating? Um, so
1: we have actually been together for, I think we've been together maybe 19 years. Wow. So that's, yeah, like, that's I mean, so, that's
0: like a midlife relationship. I a lot mean, of people.
1: yeah. It's crazy to think because when we started as boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, I I think I was like 18, 19, so young, not even kind of started this whole sporting journey. You know, I remember one of the first competitions I did while we were together, I think a competition in Italy, I think I got you know, some prize money of like £200 or something. And it was all like, oh, wow, look, this is amazing. (laughs) And we've been on this whole journey together from, you know, that, that kind of young age through all the championships. He's been there with me through all the majors and now with kids and 10 years married and yeah still going strong
0: <laughs> yeah you you seem like a, you know you're a really together couple and, and going through all these these different phases together he just looks like he has always just had your back there's never been an ounce yeah. of jealousy or feeling like she gets all this attention she's on posters everywhere people drool over her they love her he <laughs> just looks like I tell you when it really struck me was 2012 because I, I remember seeing pictures of the two of you that night that evening going to various, and he was there and he just had the biggest beam on his face it was like a smile that he was just loving it all but same time not living vicariously through you
1: yeah and you know it takes so much because the the journey that we've been through has been huge and neither of us expected you know what was going to happen after 2012 and how our lives would change but he has just been that absolute constant rock like you say you know he he's never never had that moment of like jealousy or oh you're doing something that I want to do or I you know there's never been any of that at all he's just always supported me and been there and encouraged me like every step of the way like he's he's been such an amazing like partner with everything that we've done we just and, and even now having kids I always feel that we're just this team like we're this little team together and I've got his back he's got mine and Yeah, we just support each other and I could not, absolutely no way have achieved what I achieved without having him there, just knowing that he was there to support me and and be there through like all the positive times, but also a lot of the challenging times as well.
0: Yeah. And having gone through that and that transition period probably be laid you, I think, down the track as well as, as a couple, you know, when you go through uh, those other changes that that come not just in terms of you, but in terms of the family dynamics and everything, because you've been through so many iterations already, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I think by the age of, yeah, 30, we'd kind of been through so many different kind of, yeah, phases and and life changes. And actually now it seems quite relatively like settled and stable, stable at the moment and you know, for Andy as well, he's continued, you know, doing his career that he loves and you know, doing all, everything that he enjoys within life and not making those sacrifices here. And he's just an incredibly like passionate, hardworking, amazing man. Like, I'm definitely gonna have to get him to listen to this because I'm gonna <laughs> know him a it's lot like this break. is your life,
0: Andy. <laughs> I know, um, but he
1: is yeah, he's he's a good one. I've I can't
0: it. imagine you being with somebody though who isn't a hard worker or a shirker. I mean, I, I don't think they would stand two minutes. There is a, you know, a purpose to what you do. So I think the person you're with kind of got to go along with that, haven't you? So there's a wisdom. Do you feel like you've got a wisdom that's maybe beyond your years because of that?
1: Uh, I do. I think you do have to. You have to grow up quite quick in sports, and and you learn a lot. And um, like you say, you go through lots of changes at a young age. And I think I've I've learned so much about me as an individual, and you know all my personality traits. I feel like they have been formed through my journey through sport. So mm. yeah, I don't know how wise I am, but I've I've had a few kind of experiences and journeys to this point. And I think the biggest thing now is that I want to kind of offload it or impart some of that on on the kids and, and help them to navigate whatever career and you know life they go into want to be able to kind of yeah help them in some way with what I've learned
0: and you probably can't talk about it because it hasn't been on telly but the last time I saw you you're about to fly off somewhere and you're about to start filming something at a tv <laughs> yeah. show that may well be looking into your family history um yeah. <laughs> And I can't wait to see it. Has that had an impact on on who you kind of are and how you feel about, you know, your past and your future?
1: Yeah, it was incredible. I, yeah, I don't know how much I can say, but um, it will be on next year. But I've been on an amazing journey with my family and in particular with my dad. And honestly, it was such an experience. And I think as you get older and your parents get older and... Yeah, you kind of really cherish those moments and those opportunities to not just spend time with them, but to understand who they are and who they were as, you know, young kids and teenagers and who they were before you arrived. And I've really had that opportunity to explore that with my family and in particular with my dad. And yeah, it just gives you such great perspective and yeah, just super proud of of my family and, and my dad.
0: Yeah, we don't talk a lot on the podcast actually, but about kind of generational relationships that often. You're not at that stage that you're looking after your parents, but and you're very very close to them, obviously. Does your is your mum somebody that would be a kind of font of knowledge about things to do with you know? perimenopause and change would she talk to you about that do you have that kind of relationship
1: yeah yeah so I'm really both me and my sister are really close to my mum and she's obviously been through that whole phase of of menopause and she actually found it really difficult she had some really challenging symptoms and you know she suffered with that anxiety and all those changes that happened during that time and I've seen her navigate herself through it and you know there's things that she would have done differently and bits of advice that she's definitely passed on to me and my sister but it's just yeah it's been really interesting just to see how a phase like that can change you as an individual individual so massively and thankfully now she's come out the other side of it and she's she's doing amazing but it's it's been a really challenging time for her and really interesting to just understand yeah how she's felt and how she's how she's dealt with those challenges
0: and going forwards professionally, is there anything that because you 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 dip into telly, you, you don't want to do it full time? I can see that you know maybe maybe you get sick of <laughs> us in the studio. I, no, I um, love
1: working with you guys. You I, honestly, I feel so blessed to have a team that um, yeah, it's just always great fun, isn't it? It's, good it's fun. always it a good one. It it's very good
0: fun. We have very good time. But um, sadly we don't we don't have enough athletics coverage really across the BBC to make it a full time job for anybody. But we have a great time while we do it. Is that something you want to do more of? I don't just mean athletics coverage, or are you quite happy with with that balance that you've got now? Is there anything else that is is a burning? Yeah, desire I, I do you? feel
1: I do feel like I'm in a bit of a transition phase as well. I live started school in September, and I think up until that point, I very much felt that opportunities that came, you know, I, I'd grabbed some of them, but I was also very conscious about having this time with Liv and, you know, while she wasn't at school and making the most of that time. And actually this year, now she's gone to school, it kind of, it's a strange feeling when they're both at school firstly, but it's almost given me a little bit more time and and space to kind of pick up on some of the things that I perhaps wouldn't have done in the, the previous years. And I love doing the bits of tally work. It's been, it's been great great. I've learned so much. I think I like pushing myself out of my comfort zone a bit and just mm. challenge myself in a different way. And like when
0: I asked you to talk yeah. about the uh, 20k walk. <laughs> Gabby,
1: yeah. Gabby, honestly, when you, <laughs> that was at the Commonwealth Games and literally you were all chatting about it and I was sat here going, I don't have that much to contribute on 20k walk. So I'm just going to sit here quite quietly. And then Gabby just threw this question to me and I was like, oh. I like to like go deep
0: down into my brain amazing. to find you something. You did amazing. <laughs> brilliant. It was good. See, I like those
1: curveballs. They challenge yeah. me, Gabby. They challenge well, they me. to keep you on your
0: toes. Can't exactly. make you feel too comfortable. I know what you like. You like a little bit of a challenge. I like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been great chatting, Jess. And I, I, I really wish you all the success, uh, continued success with your, your app and everything else you're doing there. And thanks for coming on very prematurely to the midpoint. Oh, <laughs> thank you.
1: Thank you. I'm 37. Thank you, everybody. Great. <laughs>
0: I'm Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill, I'm 37, (laughs) Uh, over and out. It's always so lovely to chat with Jess and to really kind of dig deep into her new passion, the Genis app. And interesting what she said about not setting impossibly high standards for herself when she retired from sport. I think that's something that we all need reminding of from time to time, whether or not we've been a gold medal winning athlete. I really love that Jess is doing something now that actually would have benefited her enormously as an athlete. So it's kind of what she didn't know as an athlete that she's gone on a journey to find more about. and She's channeling that into Janice to empower other women and help them train more effectively according to their hormonal cycles. A huge thanks to Dr. Louise Newson. Check out newsonhealth.com if you're interested in Louise's work uh, or maybe you want to get some additional help with your perimenopause or menopausal symptoms. And remember, I love hearing your thoughts on the podcast. So rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. It helps other midpointers to find us as well. Thank you to Spiritland Productions for putting the midpoint together. And as always, I am grateful to you for listening. I hope you can join me next Wednesday for more musings on all things the midpoint. I'll catch you then.